And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Randy. <laughs> hey, Joe. How are you? Good. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. I was taken aback by your professionalism. Thank you. I apologize. Did you not think I was professional? <laughs> no, I knew I knew you were. <laughs> I just didn't know it was that professional. How you doing? Doing good. Doing yeah. good. Yeah. I haven't seen you forever. I know. I know. It's been a while. Tours haven't been really happening in the last couple of years. No. We're looking. We're <laughs> going to be going out uh, this fall, with our, which will be our first proper, you know, show since uh, January 2020. What? So where are you? Uh, I'm in uh, Sunland, California, which is kind of north of uh, Glendale, up in the foothills of old LA. Okay. And I, uh, you know, we can see behind me is the, uh, yeah. the garage. We converted it um, right at the beginning of the pandemic. We had a studio for about 10 years downtown where we rehearsed kind of a clubhouse sort of HQ for the band. Mm -hmm. And we did some recording there, but then um, our friends, you know, 
once the pandemic set in, like we're going to sell this building. So we said, okay. We had, we, uh, I, I asked my wife how much she liked having her car parked in the garage. Like, wouldn't she <laughs> like to have a bunch of uh, guitars and amps in here better than her car? Yeah. And she was kind enough to, to go along with that plan. So now we're, now we're based out of the house. All right. How is that? Do you like, do you like being able to work and not do your routine of probably, I'm guessing, getting coffee on the way to the studio (laughs) and going, what kind of burrito am I going to get? Should I get it before? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, like, like all Angelinos, I, I, you know, I live in the car or I did prior to this. And so now there's a lot less car trips, a lot, a lot less car uh, or parking tickets. Um, but, but more, um, you know, children coming in to say hi and diapers to change mid mid sessions and working on this really great idea. It's the best guitar part ever. Like dad. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, no, overall it's, it's a net positive. I think, you know, just the funny little things of, uh, I would love to build an additional bathroom. I didn't think of that. If anybody's out there thinking of doing a garage studio conversion, I would, I would budget in an additional bathroom. That way you or your guests don't have to walk through the house to use the bathroom or you don't have to tell your guests to pee outside on a tree. (laughs) (laughs) How many kids do you have? Uh, two kids, uh, three years old and eight years old. All right. Yeah. I have an eight-year-old. That's great, right? That's a fun age. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. He's home right now because there's a strike up here in Seattle with the teachers. Oh, well, well, screw the district. Good. Support the teachers. How can you not pay teachers, right? (laughs) It's like, what kind of fight is there to to win? Like, how are you going to win against teachers? We all had enough time to think about how fucking important teachers are for our parental well-being and mental health. And I know that's selfish. And I know no. there's a lot more important things at stake, but if anything, people should have learned that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to You got to pay those <laughs> teachers and take care of them. Well, yeah. Well, man, I've been listening to your record for the last four days. People helping people. It's on drag city. It's so rad. It's, um, <laughs> it really <laughs> is. It's really fun. And I played a show this weekend and, um, I was just kept talking about it. I think they were annoyed. I was like, <laughs> but, um, Congratulations. Another Thanks. great record. This one is this one to me is different and I don't know exactly why. Maybe maybe you do if it feels mm-hmm. different to you, but yeah. It's a pretty thorough blend of uh atmospheric swelling and um 70s punk, I would say, <laughs> post-punk of course. One thing that I really like about it is that it's all kind of bonded together with electronic and maybe avant-garde or almost modern composition kind of threads that might sound wild on paper, but man, it's really glues it together for me, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. What, where were your heads when you started thinking about making this record? Where were you guys at? Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, you know, you've, you've made enough records where you know there's the, the ping pong, the, the here's the live, you know, this is, we're just going to write this in the room. We're going to play it together in the room. This is our live tour record. We could play this. It's going to sound better at the end of the tour than it did when we recorded it. So let's yeah. record this at the end of the tour. You know, we've done. So I think the last record we did for for jack city goons be gone was very much a we're you know pretending to be the rolling stones or something and this record's going to live on record as it is live and uh, yeah. we'd, we'd had about four or five of those songs we took with us on the last tour and, and played them live every night and they def- and they got better so we were excited to document those and put them out you know so it was a it was a live-ish not like we recorded it live on stage but we developed the songs on the road and brought mm-hmm. them back home to the studio and, and recorded them 
and this record was the opposite of that. So the, you know, the pendulum swings, you know, let's mm-hmm. do it all in one, do it in the can, one take wonder, you know, first take best take. And this one was a little bit more like, let's stretch out and get weird. Let's not be beholden to what's possible live. Let's, you know, get some, you know, studio as instrument kind of yeah. vibe happening. And, uh, and so that's kind of where it, it comes from, but it, it took place the first stuff was like October of 2019 right when we finished goons we just kind of rolled into the next one we were itching to just get weird yeah so we kept getting weird and and tracked all this stuff <laughs> and then the pandemic happened and then obviously studios moving around and so we took about a two or three month break there and then relocated to the house and then you know we're sort of self-isolating and I was left with about six hours of weird audio and I said well I don't uh-huh. want to stop working and I, I, I enjoy editing in Pro Tools and kind of creating loops I know there's there's better programs for that I've heard but I'm I feel like I treat it like tape like kind of stock yeah. any tape loop I use the Pro Tools to kind of cut and paste these collages of multicolored multi-tracked sounds so i really enjoy that and so i I used the six hours of weird stuff that dean and i had done to sort of start arranging putting together compositions out of these ideas and then i would email them to dean you know we're only about you know 20 minutes apart but we were you know sheltering in place we had old people and young people that we didn't want to expose and then eventually when things got a little bit you know looser we kind of came together and i was able to show him a bunch of this you know advances i'd made in the recording you know or, or the writing and arranging of some songs and then we would um yeah we just would edit and dean's a great curator and editor and like i like this don't like this like this don't like this and then and that's just it just kept rolling till we had uh you know a manageable amount of songs right well let's hear compact flashes heck yeah it's all a right banger. here we go
got locked out of the moon I waited all till you were through I can't wait, I just can't wait I can't wait, I just can't wait There was something going on a bit of sun Now I know you all were wrong I can't wait I just can't wait I can't wait I just can't wait Is that the most beautiful ending to a song ever? <laughs> uh, yes, I think so. Um, I'm excited to talk drums with you, even though I am not the drummer. I have a lot of thoughts and uh, feelings about drums. In particular, on that song, we were um, I came up with that little kind of bass riff that goes throughout. Mm -hmm. um, and then I showed it to Dean, and then we, he started playing drums along to it. And about a minute 30 into it, I was like, what if we did this? And I kind of just cut a little section and, and put it off time into a syncopation. Yeah. And it just it just sort of shifts you ever so slightly, which I, you know, something from like Here Come the Warm Jets, you, sure. know, to, you know, that kind of just where like now we're offbeat and then we're back in. And, uh, you know, we played it for friends. We're like, yeah, you guys messed up. There's a thing that's like that got off time there in the middle. I'm like, yeah, that was on purpose, you know, and I love, yeah. I think that it's out now as a single or it came out as a single before the record. And uh, there was things of like, you know, it just sounds like the guitar player is warming up. Not even doing <laughs> oh, anything. It sounds like everyone's just warming up on this song. They're not even doing anything. I'm like, Oh, thank you. That's the most beautiful thing you could say. There's no intention of playing you, you, my ruse of the illusion of abstract uh, expression, guitar playing work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I know, and it, it's, there is a, obviously a, a haphazardness to it, the way it feels. But I've listened to it enough times that there's I made up some sort of intentionality. Like I felt like I was in there with you guys. Like there's a little bit of call and response, but you don't repeat it. It's like almost funny in a way. Yeah, if you really exactly. get into it, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> we laugh and, all through this record. I yeah, mean, there's a lot of and, they're in jokes, maybe for bands or musicians. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to ask you because one reason this record is so exciting to listen to is you sort of set the precedent with the first three tunes that we don't know what's going to happen. And it's not like, it's not on the sleeve. It's just like, whoa, that happened. So you're just waiting around for something crazy to happen. You, so you can't skip. You can't <laughs> skip this record. If you want to listen to it, you can't really skip it because you'll miss a lot of cool stuff. So was it as exciting and interesting and fun to make this record <laughs> as it is to listen to it? Because it really is like a little little mini journey. That's oh, really man that's that's a beautiful way of saying it i'm glad that that came across you know you never know the intention of the artist versus you know what what's received from the audience side you never know sure. if it's, it's going to succeed um i think you know i the uh, the excitement and the fun of it yes i think we we you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, with this record as being, this is really the first one Dean and I did without um, any other involvement. We've never really worked with a proper, you know, pop producer, but we worked with engineers and we've rented studio space and we've worked with mixing professionals. And, and there's a certain amount of um, uh, self-consciousness that I think any artist has who, in that mm -hmm. regard, you know what I mean? Where you just, you're paying for the time. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to mess around too much. Uh, or you don't want to let down, 
the engineer like can we do that one more time i think you're, you know there's those kinds of things yeah there's, there's an awareness you have of yourself and i think because we were really just doing this ourselves and and we wanted to maximize that sort of feeling of freedom in that way that was still productive, you know, not hopefully not just noodling and, you know, con- contemplating our belly buttons for, for months at a time. <laughs> we were trying to be productive, but also allow ourselves the, the bit of an indulgence and the, but the freedom yeah. and, the, and to really do something different. And like, why not do it that way? Why not? You know, we, people would say, you can't do that. You can't do this. We've had those types of conversations even within ourselves. And, um, to us, we just really we gave ourselves that dalliance of just let's do whatever we want to do and see what happens, you know. And and I think some of those are, you know, those can be great records, those can be annoying records, those can we've heard those records from all kinds of artists, and it yeah. depends on the artist and their time frame and what they're and how mad they are at their record label and if they're punishing their label or not or fulfilling a contract or if they're actually enjoying something. And I think this was uh, an enjoyable experience for us and. Um, and yeah, we were not mad at, at Drag City at all. If anything, yeah. you know, it's one of the things we talked about with Dan Kay, who runs Drag City, was early on was he's you know he told us like give us your weirdest record. Like I want to hear the weirdest No Age record you guys could make from wow. day, from day one. You know, and so we we've been slowly I think um, warming up to that promise and trying to fulfill that in, in ways. And you know, one thing as as a band, you know, we we were looking when we did a kind of label switch and. You know, and as we grow as musicians and as people, like you know, we wanted to get older and weirder. You know, yeah. as a band, we knew that was our trajectory where we were going. We were not going to yeah. get younger or poppier. So if we were going kind of the other way, we're getting older and weirder. And so to find a home like Drag City where they encourage that um, has really been welcoming and warm. Right. It sounds he gave you the license to um, send him the a cover of John Cage's Forty. What is it? Four thirty-three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, but but it's been really fun. You know, and I believe it. You know, I think some of my favorite bands have come out of you know Drag City. Someone like yeah, me too. U.S. Maple, you know, or something, yeah. or Bonnie Prince Billy, and and you, it's it's clearly you're hearing artists doing what they want to do, and mm-hmm. I think that's you know it's a great thing to to experience for as a list. Those are some of my favorite moments. You know, where you know this isn't. Um, it's not uh, in conversation with the popular aesthetic of the time. It's an artist challenging themselves and trying to outpace themselves. So I think that was a little bit of what we were hoping to accomplish with this record of just giving the best of what we feel we can do today, you know, and it changes over time. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's a race against time. Yeah. The, another, there's, there's some sounds that were cueing the, these thoughts that happened a couple of times. I was reminded of like, experimental hip-hop records which is stuff i was into for i mean i still am but i just haven't visited it but even i forget the lp record damaged something i forget Mm. but uh that specifically it's it's like whoa this could just you can just strip away dean's vocals i don't want to strip away dean's vocals but maybe for the experimental hip-hop version that would be killer i would love that if there's anybody (laughs) if there's anybody in your audience hearing the sound of my voice please you know take these songs i'll give you stems you can find me on instagram and all the socials i'm out there randy randall um yeah i will give everybody stems to this record and i would love to hear the experimental hip-hop tracks made from any of these things i i growing up i i um you know it was it embraced you know the post nirvana grunge of the 90s i'm 41 so you know sonic youth and these things but but grand royal and the sort of the the Beastie Boys kind of influence was in there as well of what, you know, what they yeah. did. And even, you know, Matador of, of the time, I think had artists like Solex and, you know, this kind of sample That's right. based yeah. things. And, um, 
and I've thought a lot about them over the years. And I and so I bought, you know, I had a, a Japanese, you know, offset knockoff guitar, you know, you could get for twenty mm-hmm. bu- or for two hundred bucks, and then a four track machine. And then the next piece I went in and bought, you know, to Guitar Center was a, a four hundred four, a little sampler. I was like, I think they're doing yeah. something with this and just creating loops. Yeah. So that's been a long time in my DNA of, of an, as an artist. Like, well, why don't we just loop it? Why don't we sample it? Why don't we do this? And and, and I think sometimes it would throw people early on, like, you know, sound. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure your projects, you've you've you know, you set up your 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 tracks and like, well, these beats, you know, you got to talk to the front of house guy. Like, what do you got? Yeah. What do you got? What's in the sample? Are these beats, you got beats <laughs> going in there. Like, and you just know that means they're going to, they're going to bump up the, the bass, you know, on the exactly. you're like, like, no, yeah. no, these are, these are abstract sounds. Like, what do you mean? And little trigger. Yeah. Sounds like a cat dying in a side of a motor. I'm like, Oh, it's one of those kind of sounds. Like, yeah. yeah, it's one of those, put a pad on it. Cause you don't know how loud it's going to be. What we mean. So we've always done those kinds of things. Oh, but I, I don't know, but I was getting to the, yeah, the feeling of experimental hip hop. I think Anticon was somebody that you know that label we listened to a lot early on in the early yeah. days, and, and um, we were having fun. And I think Dean had a fascination around this time we started this record with like '90s um, effects processors, you know, things you could kind of find at thrift stores or you know yeah. or music shops for twenty bucks, and they have words like groove in them. And sure, you know, <laughs> it was kind of the, the post. Um, acid rebirth of the 90s or something you know there's a lot of equipment that was made and it's very not in style but maybe it's becoming in style but sure. i think dean sort of had a as an interest in, in those effects and sound so he brought some of that in there and we would just like i said just tweak and affect and different different stuff and we had working tracks with titles like tricky you know and yeah, things like that I'm not saying that we were really in uh we were not in a drum and beat or garage uh you know i think genre but i think we were not afraid to sort of like go dip into those sounds yeah you know, we're in the past we you know i think we've quoted bands like disco inferno and their early 90s sampling technology i think for a record like everything in between our second record for sub pop we were looking at you know how you kind of lo-fi sampling you could do and how we could include that in our songwriting process Mm -hmm. um this run i think we were just threw the through the book out the window and just said everything's material let's just sample everything let's loop everything let's we'll sample ourselves we'll sample anything we want and just turn it into something the loops on loops on loops to the point where and then i'd send it to a to the four track again slow it down then bring it back sample that recent you know it was yeah. just became became fodder and I, that's hard for me the, the the file management for this record uh again very boring but but you know from making your own record and relying on yourself to do it i have deep deep files we'll start with dates usually when we start recording it and then names working titles and um it's yeah just, it's impossible to find it out <laughs> And, you know, the other side of this record, as I said, there's there's some what I consider to be a, a little bit of late 70s punk stuff, especially that song um, Violence. Mm. Um, and on a couple of those songs that are kind I mean, they aren't ultimately just guitar and drums and vocals. But the special thing about those songs, a couple, at least a couple on the record, is they have a small speaker distance kind of thing. Um like a turntable with one speaker on it, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it cuts through and it's like the energy is it's even more than being loud. And it's not that it's quiet. It's hard for me to explain. And it's not teeny, but it mm-hmm. has a small speakerness of it. But it has the energy of any, you know, it's really energetic. It reminds me of there's a scene in Decline of Western Civilization where this dude's sitting in his... Have you seen that movie? In a, Which one? The, last, the first one or the, the third punk one? one? The yeah. punk one, Oh, the first one. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And he's right. sitting in his Tattoo apartment and his, uh, 
I think he's talking about moving out or his dad's kicking him out and he's in an apartment, but there's a record playing. I can't remember who it is. It's like dead Kennedys or circle jerks, but it's cutting through in such a way. And I remember it from being a child and seeing it, but I've watched it recently. And it's like, there's an energy to, to it. And it's like, I think you guys maybe subconsciously <laughs> captured, <laughs> captured it. Cause was that your intention to, you, you also put different instruments in, you know, you make drum kit small for a second, which is kind of surprising. And, but I don't know. It's whatever you've done, you've captured the image <laughs> with the mix and the and the co compartments you put things in. Yeah, I, I I will I will take partial credit for it. I, I also will give credit to the accidental sort of nature of some things and and mm -hmm. a, us just not working as professionals per se in in, in the engineering and in the mixing i think we allowed ourselves to just find mistakes like i would like we'd be playing something you know a song or even i think it's in um i think it's in uh that compact flash we heard but uh dean was just gonna do a snare so i just mic'd up the snare mm -hmm. and then in the middle of the take he's hitting the the rack tom yeah and i'm like well that's i didn't mic for that i wasn't prepared yeah. like what are you doing and then yeah. we went back and listened to it and there's a thing where this the, the snare is really present and then the rack tom sounds like it's like a hundred feet away coming right. out of the room but but it's also there and you can hear it and you're like ooh, wait a second we didn't plan for that but it created this kind of depth and sort of a sonic architecture you know in the track mm -hmm. that just was unplanned for and you know and you hear the stories about you know the john bonham kit someone bumped their butt into a thing and it moved a mic and now it's we have the most iconic drum sound ever put to record right. you know and so yeah, i think yeah. there's in the precedent of everything's valid. If you like how it sounds, then that's the point. Yeah. Don't worry about how you got there kind of thing. And I think even in the mixing, like we had our friend, uh, Scott Cornish, who is a front of house extraordinaire, you know, kind of sonic wizard. And he's helped us mix and he's helped, you know, we've worked with him for a long time and, and we had him just cause we were second guessing ourselves. Cause you know, that's the kind of the thing of the kids in the candy shop, we were just playing so much and like, let's make, let's have a professional at least look at this record before mm -hmm. we put it out just to make sure we're not just completely <laughs> mad with, you know, our own ego of, of what we love. You know, this right. kids in a candy shop idea. We're not just going to give ourselves a tummy ache. Cause this is actually a decent record sonically. And we gave it to him to listen to. And he gave some notes and some notes we took and some notes, you know, there's a, some notes we didn't and, and we did so blatantly to the point where to the point where we named a track tripped out before scott meaning that he yeah. gave us notes and we made i made a mix with his notes and dean and i would listen you know and we actually ended up using the track before his notes we went back a generation oh, yeah and 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 we felt like the title the title working titles tripped out because the drums were tripped out bro you know yeah and uh <laughs> very original and um and but the point that we put tripped out before scott then it now has this narrative um uh you know mystery mysterious uh implication to it so we use that and uh and i think scott got a kick out of it i just gave him the record and you know we gave him a shout out for it but i told him now he also now works with very you know famous artists and i was like hey bro you know i know they pay you a lot of money and take you on a bus around the world but how many of them are naming songs after you do yeah you know, anytime right. you want to get in the van with us we're still we'll pay you very little money and and <laughs> and take you out on tour and name more songs after you yeah and also how many of them are uh denying your notes and when when they want to how many <laughs> yes. are saying to your you, face dad yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Um, like, well, no, it's a good. Those are good notes. That's what the that's to be the proper way to do it. If you wanted to c- completely fill the sonic spectrum or or you know adhere to some kind of like sonic uh, you know normalization techniques, which is often what professionals do, right? You're supposed yeah. to make things fit in a box. We've we we carved out a little path, at least for or patch for this record, at least where we're going to say fuck it. We want we're going to put out the demos, put the demos on the record. We're not going to mm-hmm. listen to the professionals. We've we've we're too old and too cranky and, and not famous enough for anyone to give a shit <laughs> we can do that we're in the perfect spot to be able to do whatever the fuck we want some people know who we are to where they'll put us our record out but not big enough that we owe anybody anything yeah it's we had a little bit of a fucking attitude to the point where it's like we're gonna sell however many records we sell meaning not not a ton so mm-hmm. why not embrace that position instead of feeling beholden or feeling like we got to chase somebody's approval and just do what we want to do and enjoy this kind of you know anonymity of of an experimental weird band on a cool label yeah you know kind of yeah we went a little far with it i want to ask you joe something we did a record uh two records ago the uh, first one for drag city and we called it snares like a haircut um, uh-huh. and as a drummer i wonder what is your re- response to a name like that did does that mean anything to you I thought about that this morning and I couldn't, okay. it, it caught my attention and I, it's interesting that you asked me that. And this isn't a setup ever in, for anyone listening. <laughs> I, it really caught my attention probably about 30 minutes before we did this. Cause I was perusing <laughs> your whole uh, catalog. And if you asked me what the name of that record was in a week, I would know the name. It would have stuck with me. So yeah. I'm not sure it, why it yet. stands out as a musician, right? As a, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll tell you the story behind it. And it, it came out of, you know, like many things, you know, long drives um, mm-hmm. on tour and stuff. And you get to talking. And uh, w- one thing we would notice as we, you know, we play through, you know, catalogs of bands and things you listen to in the car and the van mm-hmm. for years and years on end. And and when listening to stuff from different eras was, a, you know, guitars, voice, production techniques, you know, you can, you can cheat a lot of it or you can, you know, you can shape it in a way. But one thing we found was that the snare really gives away the era. Like if you ever play that game of like, when was the song recorded? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. Cause sometimes they're new songs, but they're meant to sound old or there's an old song that's trying to sound futuristic yeah. or there's intentions of when the way people make records, right. To, to sound certain ways, especially in, in, in our current culture. But uh, what we found, we had kind of identified that there was always the snare sound was the signifier that was the tell the mark of when a a record was made because snares really there are like haircuts they stand out you know what i mean they snares like a thing like it's a marker of time like you know if you what era you're at when you look at a photo by your haircut like that's 80s but not late 80s that's an early 80s because they all look 70s no one became 80s till 88 and really you got really good at being in the 80s by 92 but no one wants to say that because then they're calling that a new thing but nobody was trying to be 90s and 92 they're all trying to be really good at the 80s and then they all burned out you know so there's those generational things but you can always identify like, you know, that obviously we know the reverse skated uh, reverb stuff in the, in the eighties. That was huge. Yeah. But even going back to the seventies and the sixties, you know, those Motown snare pocket, yeah. you know, things and the deep stuff. And and I think as you're making a record or mixing a record, you know, those are considerations that, you know, yeah. you know. that's really fun. <laughs> so it became our, our sort of idea. And it was just a conversation we had, but I, I I'd wondered as, as a drummer, as a long time musician, if, if, uh, if you'd ever come across <laughs> those things, like, does that resonate with you? Have you had that conversation before? <laughs> oh my god it it's so funny 
That's really <laughs> yeah. funny. Um, We're kind of a funny now, band, which I think <laughs> people know, but we have a lot of jokes. Anyway, <sighs> I, I think you, I think you have a product there. You could even have like a, a weekly newsletter. You could have a plug-in that is snare drums only, and never call it, just call it a haircut. Mm-hmm. And right. then some people who aren't even getting the connection just be like, "Oh, I'll have the flat the top. mullet, you need the, the mullet, mullet, the flat top, yeah. yep, the Jerry curl." Yeah. You need the shaved That's head. Really I mean, because again, if you think about punk, you know, there's a punk, you know, that, and then, but what era punk, early punk, or you yeah. get that 90s piccolo, you know, like <laughs> there's a million, but they, uh, but they tell you, they tell you where you're at. They give it up. Oh so, my gosh. Anyway, I want to share that with you as a drummer. Thank you. God, I'm thinking of t-shirts next to haircuts, <laughs> silhouettes. I don't know. Yeah. Which, which snare sound goes with, which, which, with, which exactly. haircut, right? You know, you need to, maybe it's an Instagram account. Maybe there's a branding there. Or, or we could open up a, a, a salon where you can get your hair done at salon slash drum shop, oh, right? You I'm could buy drums and get your hair cut at the same time. Oh, man. Anybody out there, again, if you want to open up that business, we're all for yeah. it. There's all actually right. a podcast called Teen Creeps, and that's the name of a song that we put out on our first record. Um, but a this podcast caught my eye like wow that's really flattering and it's a teen like ya um uh horror you know kind of podcast they review teen oh. you know ya like horror books yeah. like you know rl stein or goosebumps or these kinds of things and uh and i wrote them and they did not write me back i was like hey i play in a band called new age we have a song called teen creeps that came out you know 20 years ago and nothing crickets and i'm like oh i'm not giving you a cease and desist i just wondered if there was a yeah. Maybe in that they, they didn't acknowledge it. It's okay. I feel uh, like you guys are duping the entire world and you're an intellectual property branding agency. <laughs> and in about 20 years, you're just going to be like, see, I told you. Now, no age ships you your groceries. Ooh, man, if we could figure that out. <laughs> I don't know what kind of geniuses do that. Um, so you said you're going to tour and... October is that what you said? I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're doing October through November. Okay. Kind of. Do, we're doing a, a Midwest, East Coast, Northeast run, and then uh, and then a, a West Coast run. How How are you going to present these tunes? Is it going to have more than two people? That's the question we're working on right this second. I think the two people thing we've committed ourselves to that, okay. that everything in between era. We did have a man on stage uh, triggering samples, kind of playing yeah. a game of Simon in time mm-hmm. because we, like I said, we had a disco inferno obsession the, yeah. the band not the song um yeah and we wanted when i and i wrote a lot of those songs on that record on the sampler first like i would sample the notes of the guitar and play a rhythm track on samples oh neat so so it was in 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 my mind it was like having another guitar player on stage in a way but um yeah but then after that we, we you know we came back to the two-piece idea and we sort of committed ourselves to that but in doing so i have three samplers at my feet and dean has two and may even have one mounted to his um, hi-hat stand so he can kind of trigger along so i think we're going to do it that way i think we're just going to you know be tap dancing and dean will be touching pads as well as drums all right cool well i'm sure it'll be a sonic journey as you guys always are live i think the first time i saw you was and this is a going to be a big surprise at the smell. It's probably where I met you. Yeah. I'm sure Dave Stone possible. introduced me to you. Something yeah. like that probably happened. Or Jim. Yeah. Um, what is the update on the great smell? It's around... Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was it's it's there's new owners that own parking lots, which does not portend well for the future, long term future right. of it. Jim has always just rented it, but it was you know never an issue until I don't know what that was about eight years ago. Um, 
you know, they posted a sign, the new owners, Joe's parking lots posted a sign, like we're, you know, we filed um, plans with the city to demolish this whole block because they'd finally yeah. got their monopoly pieces in a row and they bought the whole block so they can tear it all down. And then, um, and then come to find out their whatever financial strategist said, maybe wait a few years before you plunder um, millions of dollars into creating more parking spaces. So then yeah. it was just kind of like, Oh, we're in limbo. So Jim's just holding onto it and then goes, he's month to month. So it could be the kind of thing yeah. at any point, you know, the, they say, Hey, time to, time to pack it up. And I, I think he would move it somewhere else, but LA's, you know, tough and yeah, all, all that fun stuff. Is, you know, yeah. We've had lots of talks, lots of talks, but until it happens, we're now we're just kind of waiting and just kind of enjoying it. Where okay. It is. Yeah. Well, long live the smell. I say, um, before we go, I have to ask you, I've been wanting to ask you this for years. Mm. What was it like being a Husker do? <laughs> was I a Husker do? I was maybe as a Husker don't. Um, we we played uh, cover songs with the man that wrote the songs. I guess <laughs> is how I looked at it. Okay. That's how I feel like I got to be in a cover band with the special guest uh, Bob Mould. <laughs> this is kind of how I didn't never I never considered myself part of the do. I don't think that's I don't think there's anybody that could do that, especially because I was playing guitar. If I think if I played bass and had a big mustache, sure. then I would I would feel better. But as a, being a playing in a trio with Bob Mould and being yeah. on guitar is kind of like, you know, being um, I'm trying to think of a Michael Jordan comparison. Like it's like being Scotty Pippen <laughs> or something. You're like, it's cool, yeah. but you're yeah. not Michael Jordan. You're, why, you're there on the team, but you've got the guy on the team. <laughs> so I, I was I'm, I'm, not that Scotty Pippen wasn't needed, but I was That's I felt right. a little unneeded. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, so, so, but it was cool I was though. Jealous. I love, oh my God. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, it was, it was something that, you know, I couldn't believe had had, we were able to get the chance to do. And it was really surreal because Bob is um, really gracious and really at that time was, you know, but, oh, but he didn't really want to do a, a who's do reunion, obviously, because um, mm -hmm. Grant was still around then. And, um, but he, so his proposal when we first asked him if he would be interested uh, was that he wanted to also play No Age songs. So we did an ATP appearance, I think is maybe. Okay. So he, so Bob said he would do it as long as he could play No Age songs also. So it felt like an even, so we'd play one Husker song and then one No Age song and oh. he'd play along on the No Age songs. And he knew the No Age songs better than I did at that point because I was um, in the throes of uh, drug and alcohol indulgences. And, and so I was just playing the songs however I wanted to play them. Yeah. <laughs> Bob was like, well, this is how you play it on the record. We should just play it that way. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. So <laughs> not only did he tell me how to play the Husker Du songs, he also told me how to play my own songs. Oh, so, man. Okay. So it well, was great. Yeah. All right, man. It's great talking to you. Thank you I for your time. It. Thank you so much. I, again, I, yeah, this was off air, but I apologize again. I want to publicly apologize oh, for having okay. COVID brain fog and not being as punctual as I would like to be. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you are mostly out of COVID. Maybe you have a little fog. <laughs> You'll come out. Yeah. Yeah. It'll work. All right. Well, when you start traveling, travel safe. And I hope to see you up here or down there in Los Angeles. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of, of you and your music and everything you do, obviously. I, I, I religiously follow your Instagram and, you know, you're, you're constantly pushing the boundaries of, of uh, <laughs> social media percussion uh, experimental uh, presentations right. as well as the podcast, too. So super stoked to be here. This is an honor to be here. Thanks, man. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.